You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1203 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you for joining us on the podcast as always and making Lots on Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or our newly launched YouTube channel, which we're always looking for subscriptions on at this point in time. And again, thank you for joining us. A lot of fun to talk about on this Tuesday into Wednesday as the Atlanta Hawks go into New York and knock off the New York Knicks by a final score of 117 to 111 at MSG. The Hawks avoid a potentially embarrassing sweep by the Knicks this year. They were 0-3 coming into the coming into the night against New York this season. And with the win, the Hawks are now back to 500 for the full season, which is really good to see. Of course, uh, not a perfect performance all the way through. They trail in the fourth quarter of this game. It was not a lights-out effort across the board, but there were plenty of positives. The first game for Trey Young at MSG since the playoffs, where, of course, he had, his, he had his breakout on the national stage. He couldn't play on Christmas, and he sort of made up for that in this game with a massive performance. No big surprise that Trey was awesome, but he was very awesome in this game. He was supported by Bogdanovich with a season high off the bench for Bogey, and then Clint Capella was dominating on defense throughout this one. So we'll get into all of those talking points on this podcast. But a 28-12 to run to close the game out for Atlanta that ended up being the difference between a narrow loss and a narrow win on the road. So we'll get into all of that, but uh, that's sort of the top-line thinking here. And coming into the night, actually a little bit easier than anticipated for the Hawks. If you saw the podcast or listened to the podcast on Monday, I was talking to Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops on this very show, and that's still a relevant conversation. But on that show, we previewed the game, and Julius Randle was not listed on the injury report at all for New York. He is their best player. Uh, I think Randle's probably a little bit overrated after last season, but he's still a pretty good player. And on Tuesday morning, the Knicks ruled him out, and that swung things in the Hawks' direction a little bit more. They were already without Derrick Rose and Erlens Noel and Cam Reddish, old friend, in this game. The Hawks actually had positive injury news. On Tuesday with Bogdanovich, who was, who was questionable coming in with a right quad contusion, ended up playing and obviously playing quite well. So only John Collins and Lou Williams, for personal reasons, were out in this game. So that's really good to see. It's one of those, uh, you know, they were able to sort of hold serve in, a, in an advantage situation. Also worth noting, by the way, that McMillan said after the game that Click Capella was actually kind of a game-time decision on his own. No one asked because he wasn't listed on the injury report, but there was some question about whether Capella would play. He was not apparently feeling his best. It didn't really show. He was very good in this game. Um Alas, though, coming into the night, the Hawks were supposed to win, quote-unquote. They were small favorites. Even with, even with Randall in the lineup, the Hawks were one-and-a-half-point favorites. By the time he was ruled out, the Hawks were three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. And given that the Hawks are pretty bad on the road this year, they were 12-22 and 22 coming in. That is sort of a reminder that the Knicks are not very good, uh, and they're not. That's worth saying. But it's still a road win. The Hawks were not. You can't really pick and choose this this year if you're the Hawks. That was the theme on yesterday's, on yesterday's show, talking, talking to Zach. was like, look, getting road wins is not easy. And the Hawks got one in this game, even if they did not play a perfect game. So we'll get into all of what transpired now, but that's sort of the uh, overarching context of this one. Um, as for the game itself, kind of a, a weird start to this one. The Hawks did score four points in the first minute, but they didn't score for about three minutes after that. Trey got going a little bit, which made a lot of sense because he was very, very good in this entire game. The Hawks assisted on their first nine field goals. They ran some good offense in the first quarter, but defensively it was kind of a slow start as it has been at times. Most of the year, I would say a 14-3 run by the Knicks in the first to go up by seven points at one stage in the first quarter. The Knicks scored 26 points on their first 18 possessions. That's very bad, of course. 
They actually had some success going right at Trey defensively. You know, Trey is, of course, limited on that end of the floor. And the next they have some success going with him, you know, with R.J. Barrett and Alec Burks going right at him. Rotationally, interesting stuff for the Hawks. Um, the three guys who we knew would play, Bogdanovich was the first sub, then DeLon Wright was the backup point guard and also the backup two guard in some respects. And then a Kongwu, they used TLC as the ninth man in the first half with some backup four minutes. He did not play in the second half. It was only an eight-man group after halftime, so sort of an eight-and-a-half-man rotation for the Hawks in this game. They used Trey plus bench late in the first. Um, kind of had a crazy end to the first quarter. A whip pass, like it was a 90-foot pass by Bogdanovich to Trey Young for a buzzer beater that actually cut the lead down to four for the Knicks. But still, the Hawks were trailing. It was a heck of a pass by Bogey and a heck of a finish by Trey. But still, Atlanta was behind the eight ball, uh, despite having the fact that they shot the ball well in the first quarter. But they uh, defensively had a lot of trouble. They lost the rebounding battle. The Knicks made five threes, and the Hawks were uh, sort of scrambling as a result. In the second quarter, the Hawks played a little bit better basketball at times, but it took them a while to actually find that. They were down by 12 early in the second quarter after an 8-0 run by the Knicks. It could have been worse. The Knicks missed a lot of free throws in this game. That was a theme that we'll probably come back to, but the Knicks at that point were 5 of 10. They finished the night at 14 of 26. That is not good, and that was a favor to the Hawks for sure in this one. But Bogdanovich got going. He had eight points in about 90 seconds to, cut, to sort of key a 12-2 run by Atlanta to go was I think it was a pretty big response. It could have got out of control. It didn't because Bogey got going at, at that point with Trey off the floor. Trey only sat for four minutes, which is a lot shorter than usual, but I think it was a, some urgency there to get him back in the game. He hit a three. Bogey stayed hot. He had 17 points in his first 12 minutes. He was very good early. And the Hawks had a 26-8 to eight extended run to go from down by 11 to up by seven late in the second quarter. Capello was really dominant for about a three-minute stretch. He had he changed two shots at the rim, had a dunk, then he blocked Obi Toppin at the rim and gave him the, the Kamehameha finger wag. A little bit of swagger there from Capella. It was good to see him sort of turn it up at that point. And after all of that, the Hawks were up by six at the break. Offensively, it was a really, really impressive performance in the first half, especially in the second quarter. A 126 offensive rating on the road. They shot it very well, 52, 41, and 82 across the board there. 19 assists and five turnovers. We'll come back to that because there was a lot of uh, ugliness after that. But the first half, it was spotless ball security, good ball movement, good shooting. Trey had 24 points. Bogey had 19 points. They combined to shoot seven of 14 from three in the first half. And it sort of uh, went to a draw on the glass against the Knicks before halftime. Um, defensively, it was better in the second quarter. They held the Knicks to 42% shooting with four turnovers in the second on the way to only 24 points. So the Hawks flipped the script a little bit there. But uh, they still allowed a 117 offensive rating to the Knicks in the first half, which is not exactly fantastic, but it was notably better in the second quarter. And really, when it comes down to it, getting 43 combined points from Trey and Magdalene in that first half was really sort of a preview of what, of what was to come because they combined for 77 in the game. But it really, what, it really was offensively a two-man show for a lot of this one. Herter had some moments, which, which we'll come back to later on. Gallinari had a couple of big shots. But you know, getting 77 of the 117 from Trey and Magdalene is uh, worth noting and also driving home as the reason why the Hawks were able to sustain offense. It was a two-man extravaganza for the Hawks in this spot. Before we get to the second half of this game and much more context and some follow-ups on the takeaways from this game, some player evaluations, some overall analysis, looking ahead to the standings and more, a word from our sponsors on the show today. NBA fans looking for a daily fantasy option right now. If you are, check out the award-winning app at PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too because it's so easy to use. All you have to do is pick two to five players and over-under on their projections. If you do that, you can whip up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers, and an entire entry can be made in just a minute or less. So if you're short on time, it's just that easy. PrizePix is also safe. It offers fast withdrawals, and they have props on almost anything you can think of, including points, and rebounds, assists, and even steals. 
They also have mixed sports entries. So if you like MMA or soccer or baseball, college hoops, et cetera, you can pair those things together and use those skills at the same time. And for a limited time, Prize has an exclusive offer for all, all of our users that listen to the podcast, and it's an absolute no-brainer. $50 for free if a player in your first prospect's entry scores even a single point. But all you have to do is use the promo code NBA. That's right. It's an exclusive offer for Locked On fans. Sign up today. Use the promo code NBA. $50 for free if a player in your first entry scores a single point. Check it all out at PrizePix. All right, we'll get into second half now. And it started out very well again for the Hawks. Um, Herder hit a couple threes early. He was the first player to pick up the slack from Trey McDonavich. Trey hit a three as well. And the Hawks led by 11 points in the first three minutes of the third quarter. Right on cue, there was a 9 0 run by the Knicks that kind of happened right because the Hawks stopped taking care of the ball. So they had three, three turnovers in a row that kind of spurred that push after they had taken care of the ball so well before halftime. And the Hawks really stalled on offense. Um, the Knicks were still missing free throws, but they had four or five in a row that were empty for the Hawks offensively. The Hawks got back into it a little bit, got set a little bit. Trey actually got hit, hit in the head with an elbow that required some attention, um, sort of opened up a cut, but he was uh, able to stay in the game, which was good to see. But offensively, the bench started coming in and the Hawks stopped scoring. It was a 9-0 run again late in the period by the Knicks to go from down to leading, and the Hawks trailed for the first time in the second half pretty late in the, in the third quarter. They scored two points in about three-plus minutes. There was this dreadful possession where Hunter kind of dribbled into nothing and t- turned it over in isolation when they could have given it back to Trey. There was a lot of mess stuff late in the third quarter, and the Hawks actually got a pretty pretty big gift, I thought, at the end of the third quarter when Tosh Gibson missed a point-blank, like, two-foot layup that would have given the Hawks a four-point deficit. They were, still, they were still down by two, though, at the end of the third. Not a good quarter overall for the Hawks, let's just say. Six turnovers was the number one problem for sure, but Trey had 38 points. That was kind of it going on in the third quarter overall, and defensively it was kind of a mess at times. In the fourth, they had to go without Trey for a while, which uh, spelled doom at least a little bit because the Hawks, again, only played eight eight guys in the fourth quarter. Sorry, eight guys in the, in the second half, but Atlanta didn't score for the first three minutes or so of the fourth quarter with Trey off the floor. It was a 7-0 run by the Knicks to call a timeout for the Hawks to put them down by nine points. And overall, dating back to the third quarter, the Hawks had two assists and seven turnovers in the first 15 minutes of the second half. So in the first half, as a reminder, 19 assists and five turnovers, which is an excellent ratio. The second half, first first 15 minutes, two assists, seven turnovers. That's how you blow a lead and suddenly you're looking up at the Knicks on the scoreboard. Um, they didn't actually go back to Trey as fast as I thought they might after a timeout. They kind of kind of surprised me a little bit because Trey had been playing a ton of minutes, but they got to, they got a little bit of the uh, bleeding stop with Bogdanovich getting in the line. They were down by ten though when Trey came back in. Um, actually, no, down, down by ten. Then Gallo hit a three. Then Trey came back in, down by seven. But that was the first field goal of the fourth quarter for the Hawks after like four and a half minutes. Was that Gallo three? The Hawks were only quote unquote minus five in that stint without Trey, but still it felt worse than that. And that three by Gallo kind of was a huge shot. As a result, in fact, he had two big shots in the fourth quarter. He had a pretty uh, contested jump shot right after that. After he had been pretty much quiet the entire rest of the game, those were two big shots. And Herter had the early third quarter run of his own. But other than that, it was basically just the support stuff on offense. But the Knicks, honestly, the big theme, as much as it was uh, all about Trey nationally and bogey and big numbers, that's all important and relevant. But the thing was, the Knicks just stopped scoring in the fourth quarter. The Knicks had a stretch in which they didn't have a point for almost four minutes. The Hawks actually blew opportunities. They had four straight empty possessions um, when they were down by three, sort of with like five, six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. But then Capella absolutely erased Barrett at the rim with four minutes to go. Bogey scores as a one-point game with 341 to play. The Hawks are still down, though, and actually allowed a very easy dunk to Mitchell Robinson out of a timeout, kind of a breakdown defensively. But from there, it was all good. For the Hawks. Bogey misses a three. They got the rebound. Trey hits a three to tie it. 
uh, that also featured a great tap by Capella to keep, keep the ball alive and off the glass. They got a stop. Bogey was left open in the corner, a pretty bad breakdown by the Knicks for an open quarter three. He buries to give the Hawks the lead. They would never relinquish an offensive foul by the Knicks. Then Hunter gets left open, wide open again for a three as they were trying to blitz Trey. And the Hawks are suddenly up by six with 134 to go. So they went, they went from down three to up six in less than two minutes. A huge push there. It was a 13 to two overall run by Atlanta. The Knicks had a couple of just absolutely glaring breakdowns. And that is a reminder that the Knicks are not very good. But the Hawks did, to their credit, take advantage of those positions um, on both offense and defense. After the timeout, I feel like the Hawks were in good shape, obviously up by six. It wasn't over, though, um, but it was pretty quickly. They got two more stops in a row. Then Trey absolutely embarrassed Taj Gibson. I'm sure you've seen the play by now, but I'm sure you can find it if you have not seen it so far. That was making the national rounds. He was trending on Twitter for that play against Taj Gibson, and it was over from there. Uh, All told, the Knicks scored six points in almost eight and a half minutes. So they had 22 points in the fourth quarter, which doesn't look so bad on the box score. But if, if you break it down, six points in more than eight minutes, that was the biggest difference in the game for the Hawks. Now, granted, offensively, they made, a lot, made a lot of plays too. And for the entire game, the offensive numbers were better than defensive numbers, for sure. But with the game on the line, I would give as much credit or more credit to the actual ability to get stops in the fourth quarter than I would to the actual ability to keep scoring against the Knicks. So I said a lot there, but in the fourth quarter, it was uh, obviously uh, all Hawks. They won the fourth 30-22, and it was even more than that because, again, they were minus five when Trey came back. So with Trey on the floor in the fourth, they were plus 13. And they were plus 11 for the game with Trey. And uh, that tells the story pretty simply. As far as takeaways are concerned, the offensive side of the floor was quite good for Atlanta in this game. Um, when you take out garbage time, about a 119 um, offensive rating in this one for Atlanta, that's very good, particularly on the road. The Knicks are not very they're – they're not great defensively, but they're at least solid enough on defense this year. So that's a pretty impressive number. They shot it well. They turned the ball over probably more than you would like if you were the Hawks this year. Um, they've only turned the ball over – about 12 times a game. It was 14 in this game. That's not too terrible. Although a lot of those were live ball. The Knicks, I believe, yeah, yeah, they had 12 steals. That's way more live ball turnovers than you would want for the Hawks. If you're trying to nitpick the offense, that was probably their biggest issue on offense in this game. But they shot the ball well. A 63% true shooting in the game. That is excellent. Um, offense rebounds were decent enough in this one. They had 10 on 41 misses. Um, 26 assists is okay, but they're average for the season. And, of course, the two breakout performances on offense. But they got to the line um, 27 times. That's a very good number. And they also made eight more than the Knicks did. That was not a small factor because the Knicks were brutal at the line. In fact, that's a good opportunity to go to the defense now. Um, it was definitely not something the Hawks did, but the Knicks were 14-26 to the line. If they made a reasonable number of free throws, this game would have been very, very tight down the stretch. And they didn't. So that, that, that's not really something the Hawks can change, but uh, it benefited them. Because especially Mr. Robinson was one of six, uh, Barrett was eleven of seventeen, whereas Trey was twelve of fourteen. Bogey was six of six. Those two guys going eighteen of twenty is absolutely massive, and that's not a small thing and a good advantage for the Hawks to have on the margins. Defensively, overall, it was not fantastic. They allowed a one thirteen or so offensive rating to the Knicks. That is not great. That is not terrible though, given the fact that the Hawks had some rough moments. They were better in the fourth quarter. That is for sure. Um, that is definitely you know something you have to at least remember in this game is that when it, when it mattered, they got stops, but overall they could have been better, especially on the perimeter. I thought early on in this game, they were getting taken advantage of in certain matchups on the glass. It was just okay. It was not very good. It was not terrible. It was kind of middling. They, 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 uh, they a lot of, a lot of free throws to the Knicks in this game in terms of attempts. That's not a great sign for your defense, but Overall, they forced turnovers, 14 of them. They held the Knicks only 20 assists. That's a good number. So some positives for sure. 
And uh, at the end of the day, they escape with the win on the road, even in a spot where the Hawks did not play their best game. I want to say that now before we get into individual player stuff. That's not me saying anything that's like negative. People were saying it. I said that after the game on Twitter. People were saying I was being negative. I wasn't. It's like, you know, the Hawks didn't play great in this game. I mean, that's pretty objectively and clearly true. Um, The Knicks are not very good without Julius Randle. But at the same time, we've all seen this Hawks team lose games that they should win this year. Like Sunday's a great example where they were the better teammates, the Pelicans. Granted, that was at home as it was even worse. But the Hawks were favored in this game for a reason. If they had lost it, it would have been a very plain example of the Hawks letting an opportunity slip by. In this game, to their credit, they did not do that. They won the game. They got they got a win that they probably needed to get to stay in lockstep with the Hornets and the Nets. And at the end of the day, that's kind of all that matters. So we'll get into all of the personnel takeaways about the players up and down the roster as well as some standing stock and a quick look ahead to Tuesday's game in Detroit. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. In 2022, I'm trying to eat healthier and eat right overall, and I managed to do most of that with the help of Built Bar. In some ways, it's not even really a resolution for me this new year because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars. They're the protein-infused puff bars that are fantastic for all the people that are looking to do that, as well as each and every bar has 100% real chocolate, which makes a huge difference, and they taste absolutely great. On top of the taste, Built Bar is low-calorie and high-protein. You can easily replace all your candy bars with Built Bars, both in taste and to improve your nutrition. And if you go to Built.com right now, check out the nutrition page. You'll be blown away by it with most Built Bars getting only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a low-calorie count. Built Bar also has long-time flavors like coconut almond and many others, as well as new flavors coming all the time. Plus, every single flavor, and I've tried them all, is fantastic and absolutely delicious. The best way to check out Built Bar is to go to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15. If you do that, 15% off on your first and next order with Built Bar. That's promo code LOCK15, 15% off at Built.com. All right, some player observations here at the end of the podcast. Obviously, the two headliners are Trey and Bogey. So we'll start with Bogey first off the bench. A season-high 32 points for Bogdanovich. Um, he was great from the floor. He was 11 of 20. He was four of 10 on threes. So that means he was seven of 10 on twos and perfect from the line, six of six, three assists, three steals, four rebounds, plus four. He was fantastic. In fact, he was on the injury report. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit last night. If he hadn't played, I don't know what the Hawks would have done. They, might, they probably would have had to go to someone like, I don't know, Kevin Knox. Skyline Mays was actually out in this game with a non-COVID illness. So he wasn't even an option in this one. And they had to have Bogey in a big way. So uh, obviously that was a close one. And he ended up playing and playing excellent basketball. Season highs don't come along all the time, but there was this notion that he was kind of back in this game. But like, as a reminder, he, he did have a bad stretch where he, I think he had five or six games where he didn't shoot the ball well, but he had 30 points on Friday against Memphis. He had 21 against the Pelicans on Sunday. So it wasn't like this was the first game in a while. He had two games in a row where he played well before this, but he was obviously fantastic and a season high is a season high. Um, the rest of the bench, though, was not fantastic. TLC was quiet, did not take a shot in five minutes, did have two assists and a rebound. I thought he, I thought he played fine, but a pretty quiet night overall. DeLon Wright was not his best in this game. Two points, two assists, and a rebound. Missed a bunny at the rim, which was frustrating. Uh, he was minus 17. That's not really on him, I don't think. I think the Hawks', the Hawks offense just kind of cratered. I did think, though, and I think I mentioned it earlier, but I might not have. I thought it was important that they pair Wright with Bogdanovich whenever Trey was off the floor because they just need more shot creation. That ended up being the case, ended up working out pretty well for them when they did that because Bogey could sort of uh, use that usage that Wright does not on offense. But I thought he was not as bad as the numbers indicated, but not his greatest game ever in the world either. McConnell was okay, had some flashes, had four fouls in 19 minutes. That's been a problem for him for a while, but rebounded the ball well on offense and defense, had a block, had a steal, had two points, and uh, did his job, although Capella was better. Capella, Capella had a weird game. So as a bridge to the starters, Capella had two points, In 29 minutes, he took one shot from the floor. No free throws, one field goal attempt. 
Now the Knicks played two bigs for most of the night. That's party. That's probably probably at least some of that. Um, and rebounding wise, it wasn't like he was huge either. He had his six rebounds. That's way lower than his normal average. He only had one block shot. If you watch the tape back of Capella, he was awesome in this game. Um, it's kind of funny, and I think it's uh, worth noting that like people have kind of started to notice this slowly but surely the last couple of weeks, but he's been really good for like a couple months now. Um, slow start the season for him by his standards, but even then, a slow a start for Capella is still a good player, but he's been back to his old self for like, I don't know, a couple months now. And I thought he was really, really good unpacking shots at the rim, changing shots at the rim, blocking out, doing what he needed to do on both ends of the floor, um, setting good screens, getting Trey loose. And uh, played great, I thought, overall. Uh, Gallo was pretty quiet. Did have be two big jumpers that the Hawks desperately needed early in the fourth quarter. Actually had 10 points and rebounds. Had a double-double, which is a rarity for Gallo. Led the team rebounding, rebounding in this game, which is kind of funny. But um, was three of five on twos, only one of six on threes. He didn't have his most efficient game in the world. Three assists. But I thought that he at least he made those couple shots. And then defensively, he isn't as bad of a matchup against the Knicks as some teams, but particularly without Randall, he could stay with um, guys like Gibson. He can guard guys like Toppin if he has to, and it wasn't like going to kill them, which is worth noting. Uh, Hunter was pretty quiet, 10 points in 32 minutes. They'd have a big three down the stretch, five rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. I think he was just okay, um, maybe even below average from him, but he wasn't like he was killing them either. I thought he was playing decent defense. He did bother Barrett at times, giving him some length, and uh, that was noteworthy. I thought Herter had a nice, well-rounded game, other than turnovers. And uh, Herter, I think it was Tower Jones, front of the podcast, mentioned this. Herter has a penchant for fourth-quarter turnovers. It's kind of funny. But um, I thought he was good overall. 14 points, eight rebounds, four assists, two blocks for Herter to lead the team. Had a, had a, had a steal as well. Five nine from the floor, two of three from three, two of two from free throw line. Um, the rebounds were huge. The, the assists were big. So he was number two on the team in rebounds, number two on the team in assists, and number three in points. Just a well-rounded game from, from Herter. He's been bad recently. Uh, good to see him bounce back in this spot and then we'll end with trey young obviously the return to msg got a lot of attention i kind of made fun of it a little bit on twitter because especially because it was a national tv broadcast um it was even more about that than usual and i get it msg is msg it's a big deal uh first time back there in a long time uh but interesting stuff there from you know in terms of the way it's covered but as usual he rises to the occasion he now sets the hawks franchise record for points in an msg game with 45 points that's kind of an obscure stat because it's just one arena on the road but still he ha- he now has it 45 eight assists um did have a steal as well four turnovers is just, just fine for him plus 11 he was six of 10 on twos he was seven of 15 on threes 12 of 14 at the, at the, at the free throw line and uh played great honestly even defensively he was not fantastic but I thought that he realized early that they were going to try to attack him, and he was feistier than usual on defense. He at least, I think, knew that they were going to, you know, that he had to be at least active enough defensively to kind of push back on that because the Knicks obviously made it a pretty, uh, pretty clear focal point to go after him. But the Hawks did their job there defensively, and for the team, it wasn't great, but they did enough. And uh, Trey, you know, I can't say enough about Trey Bogdanovich. 77 points on, uh, I believe it was, what, 20 free throws? Yeah, 55, so 55 possessions shooting and 77 points is an excellent ratio efficiency-wise. And yeah, we'll leave it there for now. But individual players, obviously the two standouts, and then beyond that, I would go to Capella and Herter as guys who played genuinely well in this game. From here, the standings are now better for the Hawks than they were uh, yesterday, obviously. A win here. They're back within a game of Charlotte for the nine seed. They're back within two games of Brooklyn for the eight seed. They have some work to do there with only 10 games remaining on the schedule. But... Next on the agenda for the Hawks is another winnable game. Now, it is a tough one in some ways because you're going to Detroit. Now, that's the spot where the Hawks just lost in pretty maddening fashion. 
But it's a back-to-back for Atlanta with travel, and the Pistons did not play tonight. So that's a huge advantage in terms of the rest-slash-road-home situation for the Pistons. The Hawks are still the better team. The Hawks will be favored in the game unless Trey doesn't play for some reason. But there's not a given at all about going into Detroit and winning on Tuesday. But I say all that. This is a similar situation in some ways. Um, it's a turnaround, and they play at 7 o'clock p.m. Also, it's an early early tip-off. Um, I will be interested to see how the Hawks respond. Now, maybe it helps them that they get up for this game because they just lost to the Pistons on the road. There's no, like, overlooking them because they just lost the game to them. Maybe some revenge on their minds. But we'll see if Bogey can play. We'll see if Capella can play, as he was obviously mentioned by Nate after the game as someone who might have maybe not played in this game. We'll see about Lou, who missed this one on Tuesday. Lots of question marks on a quick turnaround, but we'll have full coverage of that game and much more on the podcast. But uh, at the end of the day, a nice win for the Hawks on the road. They need to get more of these. They're 500 on the season, and they have an opportunity. As we talked about yesterday on the podcast, a lot was that could. The schedule is very favorable in terms of their opportunities to win games down the stretch. It's 10 games left. Do I think they're going to go 9-1? Probably not, but they certainly could. They have the talent. They have the talent to do that. They have the talent to go on a run here. And uh, it's right, it's right, out, right out, out there in front of them if they want to go ahead and do that and go claim the 9C, claim the 8C if they, have a, if they have a hot stretch. And uh, we'll cover all of it along the way. Please subscribe to the podcast. I do appreciate everyone's already done that on every podcast platform, especially Apple Podcasts and Spotify for reviews and ratings. And also, a favor to me, please subscribe on YouTube. If you are a, not a YouTube watcher of podcasts, I do understand that. But it takes two seconds to smash that subscribe button. It's very, very helpful to me and the show and my higher-ups to go ahead and boost that, that follower slash subscriber account on YouTube, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera. Also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. And we'll see you after the game on Wednesday.